Are you guys ready up there? Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsler. I'm a Women in Film and Television board member, and I'm also a producer at Jumper Productions and Tile Media. When it comes to commercial TV production, we aren't seeing enough women directors working regularly within the industry. Last year, I moderated a focused panel to explore how we can get some more women directors on pitches and actually directing commercials. This live discussion features creative director Roisin Kion from The Brill Building, director Anna Rogers from Invisible Thread, executive producer Max Brady from Pull the Trigger, and producer Sarah Chadwick from Boys and Girls. Hello everyone, I'm Susan Liddy, Chair of WIFT Ireland and Board Member of WIFT International. Uh, you're very welcome this evening to Women Make Ads, a discussion we've all eagerly been waiting for. We know we don't see enough female directors anywhere, to be honest, but we sometimes overlook the field of pitches and commercials. Yet these are hugely important areas if women are to avail of, of the opportunities that we know are out there. We also know, of course, that many male directors get their start in that particular space. So we're delighted tonight this important issue is being addressed. On behalf of the board, I'd like to thank our colleague, producer Fiona Kinsler, for driving this forward and to assure all of you uh, that we find this to be a subject that's of immense importance and we'll be running with in to our panel tonight, Roisin Kion, Anna Rogers, Max Bray and Sarah Chadwick. So I'll hand over now to Fiona Kinsler, Thank you, Fiona, and uh, I'll leave it with you. Thank you, Susan. So, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us this evening. So, I think uh, just to kick everything off, what I'd like to do is just ask our panelists to just introduce themselves and talk a little bit about how they got into advertising. So, I'm going to start maybe with Sarah first. So, uh, Sarah, would you like to? Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Sarah Chadwick. Um, I am senior producer in Boys and Girls. Um, I started in advertising nine years ago, actually on reception. So I came home from Australia not knowing what I wanted to do with my life and found one of the first jobs that I could get when I came back. And it was um, in an ad agency and I didn't know anything really about it. And I went in on reception and nine years later, I'm still there. So, um, yeah, I, I was very much fell into the industry. Thanks, Sarah. And Roisin, would you talk a bit about yourself and how you got into advertising? Yes, I'm Roisin Kiona, founder and ECD at Building. Um, I my entry into advertising was not dissimilar to Sarah's, and I'm I'm always telling the story that I started as an intern in DDFHNB and left approximately 15 years later as head of creative. Um, and I do think that. Advertising has always, advertising and associated um, industries have always been somewhere that you can get a start and then learn your craft and find where you fit. And, you know, it is important to keep those avenues open as much as possible. Thanks, Roisin. Um, Max? Uh, so I'm Max Brady. Uh, I am executive producer and founding, one of the founding partners of um, Pull the Trigger. And uh, 
how did I get into advertising? Well, I, I kind of always loved logistics because I was a student politician for a long time um, and, and I was a campaigns officer and a president. And um, I always wanted to work in the media when I finished. I didn't think I was going to be in advertising. I kind of fell into the role. Somebody asked me to come in to uh, consult on um, shooting in Northern Ireland during the uh, glorious 12th fortnight. Um, and, uh, and that was when I was first introduced to advertising production um, as opposed to TV production. Um, and um, I um, ended up in it and have been in it ever since. And that's about 25 years, I think. So. Thanks, Max. And finally, Anna. My name's Anna Rogers and I'm a director and sometimes producer. Um, so I, I have a background really as a director of documentary films. Um, and how I got into advertising, I suppose, wasn't uh, on purpose as such. Um, I run a production company called Invisible Thread Films with my business partner, Zlata Filipovic. And um, we had a couple of directors we were working with. We started making ads with them and they were directing. And then I kind of moved into getting asked to pitch myself and directing some ads over the last probably five years or so. So 20 years doing documentaries. But yeah, it's a... Uh, there's better pay definitely when you direct ads let me tell you you do the same amount of work uh for probably a year to get paid what you do on an ad so not that you just want the money but <laughs> it helps it helps <laughs> thanks guys um i guess i wanted to sort of as a starting point i thought it would be good to talk about how um the creation of a television ad or um video content happens in an agency so um, I was going to ask Sarah and Roisin to talk about that. So like who comes up with the idea and how does it, it move through an agency from concept right down to when they decide, when people are invited in to pitch on it. So maybe Roisin, I'll ask you first. I'll take it up to the bit where I would hand over to Sarah. Why don't I do that? Perfect. Sure. I, I was about to say, do we do the, what the process is supposed to be or what actually ends up happening? For fits and giggles, let's do what it should be. And then we can maybe touch on what actually happens. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, you know what, if the straightforward answer is a brief comes into the agency from a client and so that may be a whole new client that they've never done any work for before or it may be an existing client so again just to keep it simple let's say it's a client they already have and there's a Christmas commercial so they know that they're gonna have a Christmas campaign and in an ideal world oh you might get the brief six months out would you Sarah <laughs> but in reality is Max will well be able to tell you it might come six weeks before or something like that increasingly so there's there's lots of issues there but um so the brief comes in and that would be like a task brief so the, the client will say I want a Christmas campaign and I want it to achieve x y and z for me and then what happens usually in the it, different agencies have different processes, but essentially then a creative brief is made. And that's where it has the insight The this is what we want the consumer to think or feel or do as a result of this. And we've got a little nugget. Actually, we find out that the customers of our brand hate Christmas. That's a great insight. And we're actually going to speak to that. Or there's a very famous Christmas camp ad that was made years ago for Harvey Nichols, which was all about the long walk home after the Christmas party. Um, 
So the creative brief goes into the creative team. So the creative brief, several people might have worked on that. You might have the planning department, you might have um, client service. Depending on how tight the budget is, production may already be involved. I, um, again, there, there's not like a clean handover, Sarah. But um, So let's say you, the creative team will always be generally working to a budget because the budget will dictate very much what type of work they're going to write. So less than 50 more than or up 200 it makes a huge difference to what you can do like a single shot you know one person talking to camera one cast those those details versus you know a cgi extravaganza that's going to take three you know a lord of the Rings cgi extravaganza which is like three months or of post-production alone possibly more um, and i know you've made a few of those actually as well max in your time with strongbow but um um, so that goes into the creative team and this the, it does change a little bit like our industry is in a lot of flux and creatives have less ownership over their initial idea than they used to have but in theory that creative team should who write come up with the idea with the approval of their creative director should be the people who are standing making the ad at the end of the day now look there's a whole lot there and like i said there is more flux than there used to be mostly because budgets have got smaller but that creative team it's their baby so they will help they will go through a couple of different bring a couple of different scripts to the client one will be chosen that'll have to have the approval of the agency to go to client whoever the boss is you know there might be a couple of different bosses of sign off on what script production will have a point of view and then you get a script signed off with the client and then you still don't know you're making it <laughs> um as a good friend of mine said to me years ago you know you don't believe it until you're actually stood on the on the shoot making the ad but at that point, then, when you've got a signed off script, you're working very closely with production. So you would always have been in touch with production throughout, isn't that right, Sarah, to sense check, you know, that there's no, you, before you go to client, that, that, you know, you haven't sneaked into three month CGI post-production <laughs> on serial packet. Um, and then you, you get into, okay, well, we're making this script. We believe it can be made on budget. Looking at Max there, we believe it can be made a budget. We believe it can be made time. And uh, let's talk to some directors. And the creatives will have a point of view, and production will also recommend. I mean, it, I mean, it, again, in in Irish agencies, and I must come to you now, Sarah. But in Irish agencies, you have nowhere like the staff that you have in an international agency. So you know, in the classic London or New York agencies, you've got a buyer for art alone. You know, the production like you might have like a a, a new talent person in production alone. In Irish agencies, the production um, department is much smaller, but where they can, and I'm aware of the, the deal, you know, they will be, part of their job is to kind of have an eye for what is emerging talent as much as the creatives. Sarah, have I taken it not too bad over to you? Yeah, no, it's, you've ticked all the, the correct process of how it's supposed to go. I suppose I'd always ask to get in and see a script early. Um, because you don't want the client present being presented ideas that you know you've no idea you've no way of making them so yeah. like as a creative director I once worked with before said I don't write scripts with a calculator standing or sitting beside me and I said yeah no I know that but you know what's a three-day shoot and you know what's a one-day shoot so um like I kind of have to keep an eye on even if it's a small enough budget, I have to keep an eye on things like you need to keep the cast uh, count low, yeah. guys. Like, you know, you need to keep this onto one location. If I if we're in a two-day 
if we're in a round budget of a two-day shoot, I can kind of go, okay, we can move around the house or we can move to a different location, for example. But it's kind of like, I don't, I'd always have to go to the production company to get the exact figures, but you kind of have an idea in your head where you think something might be. And then you go to, a, like, we'll brief it out to a production company and then they'll usually tell me it's double. And um, then we have to... Uh, have the conversations of you know we chat with the creatives we chat with the production companies we try and figure out a way of you know getting it made and it's very much I try and not get things locked in too early so that's the that's where I think we tend to find issues when mm. something has been approved before production has come in or something has been approved without you know actually chatting to a production company to see is this actually feasible so um that's when once it comes to production I think that's when the big conversations end up having to happen because the creatives are always very protective of their idea rightly and then we tend to have to come in and give the actual facts and the figures on things and so we would go out we would brief to Usually the ask is to go out to three um, production companies and have three bids on it. Now, going back to ideal situations, I'd like to have, you know, eight weeks on a job to actually get it done correctly, to make sure that we are chatting to the right people, to make sure that everything, we're getting the best of all three people that we're talking to. What ends up happening more and more recently is that we are getting six weeks to do it and we end up running out of time um to do everything in with like due diligence due diligence mm. um so corners end up being cut we I end up being involved before the creative director has even signed off an idea because I need to see a script to make sure um production companies are ending up being brought in earlier before a script is signed off to kind of try and you know um squeeze that time together that we or that time that we've been taken away from us so just yeah. on just on that Sarah you've raised a couple of uh, things and must let the rest of the panel come in as well because I'm, I'm sure Max is a strong point of view in a lot of that as well but you know even our initial conversation we've raised quite a few pieces about what determines which director gets to make it that actually are well beyond who you might want on their book you know who's available uh, what, what production company thinks it can be done for the budget, who they have available, you know, who's willing to work with you. Um, that, and that this is why female representation across the board is so important, you know, that it's not just, oh, we're, we're going to make this with a female director because it's not quite as simple as that. Um, and then the other thing I think to say is that there's it's a double-edged sword about having um, more time. If more time means it's more rigid, you know, I'm definitely a fan of the fluid, like having a production company and earlier to shape that that conversation with the director versus we both know sometimes when you have a bigger budget, that means that a series of storyboards have been researched to death and come all the way out the other side. And now if there's not someone wearing a purple jumper in the left hand corner of the scene at eight seconds, you know, uh, but uh, we, we have an issue and that leaves very little room for, for creativity from the producer who's a creative entity and then also the um, the director as well. So um, 
I, I guess we can start like who who makes the decision about what directors are invited in to pitch is it the creatives is it the clients or um the production the producer has an awful lot of sway. The producer has an awful lot of sway because ultimately they have to sign off on the, that they, they trust the production company. Okay. So yeah. if you look at the creatives will say, we want to work with this director, but the producer of the production company could say, actually, we don't believe that, you know, let's say if it was a, a director without a solid production company behind them, then, then it might, it might be the case that when it comes down to it, because often what, what comes down to it is, it's often a split decision, you know, like you've got at least two good options in front of you and then it might just go between one or the other. So the, in an ideal world, the creatives would like to say that they'd have the pick of whoever, whichever director, all things being equal, everything can be done, all the directors are great, the um, creative team get to pick the director, and I have on occasion, but usually you're working from a set of options or decisions that have been set in stone a lot ahead of that. You know, you don't even have the uh, budget to talk to this production companies turn down work all the time they also say you know we we don't think that this is doable for this budget so um ultimately it is supposed to be the creative team because that's a that's a relationship that you want to really work but it is a bit more complex than that is that fair sarah yeah i think so like i think all things even it would be the creative team and especially it's different in every agency i suppose as well so I know that there's some agencies that, um, you know, the producer has more sway than the creatives. Um, in my agency, it's not that way. I wish it was. Or I could just go, no, we can't. But um, everyone's challenged uh, differently in every agency. And it's like, again, yeah, sorry, as Roisin was saying, if all things were even, it should be like creative choosing. But a lot of times, again, back to the, I'd like to have eight weeks. I've only got six weeks. This director that you want isn't actually free. Couldn't even look at starting shooting it for, you know, three weeks or whatever. So you end up going down to, okay, who's available? And then the conversation should be at the start then bringing women back into it. Who Like people that are available, you know, mm-hmm. are we representing women in it? What is happening what I'm finding most recently, which is actually a good complaint, but a bad complaint that we're not, we don't have a big enough pool, but we have been reaching out more and more to female um, directors at the moment, but we don't have the luxury of time. And I'm going, is somebody free in three weeks? Because we need to have this shot and delivered in the next five weeks. And a lot of the good female directors out there are very busy at the moment which is a great complaint to have but for me I'm going I don't have the time to wait so but 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 I also think that's indicative of where the industry has been and is going uh, in that it's suddenly trendy to have a female director because uh, because the, the 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 issue has been raised the issue has been put onto the agenda in terms of it and I often get phone calls from um uh, agencies um, asking for a, a female director option, um, which we have on our on our roster. I've always had female directors on my roster, um, but uh, the the issue is that those female directors haven't had the opportunity to um, sh- to to craft their skills and to get a reel built, um, and and as a result, because the reel isn't strong enough, they don't get to the table in the first place. Right? Even though I know they can do the job and I know they can write a treatment, um, and that they can win the job. 
So, so you're in a, in a rock and a hard place um, in, in terms of that, because we don't have a big enough pool that has enough skill set behind them and enough work, body of work behind them in commercials in order to be able to, to win the bid. And, and, and I, you know, it's very frustrating when you've spent a long time, you know, developing and fostering talent um, of women and then, and then falling at the hurdle because suddenly it's something that everybody wants to do because a client has requested it or because a, an agency has made a conscious decision to, to be more inclusive in terms of what they do. So, so there are a lot of elements on it. And I, and I find as well that what's been happening in terms of the decision of making the decision of, of who gets to direct the commercial in the end um, will often always fall on the client also um, who, who won't work on the basis of the body of work that that director has done, but will go on the basis of the treatment. And I've seen jobs where you look at it and you go, Jesus Christ, that is not even remotely what that job should have been um, and, and what that director could have done or that director could have done. You know, it was it was based on the decision was based on treatment because writing a good treatment doesn't necessarily mean you're a good director. That no. just means you've got a good you've got a good That's treatment awesome. writer behind you. You know, you've got, you've got someone in the production company can write a great treatment. Yeah, completely. Exactly. You've got a good writer behind you, you know, so. So there, there are all sorts of issues with how we do it, but I do think what it comes down to at the end of the day is we don't have a big enough pool of talent. We don't have enough. Um, and, and this also goes for breaking directors, not just for female directors. It goes for breaking directors. If they don't have the often from the client's point of view, if they don't have that exact piece of work mm. on their showreel, even though the client is trying to be completely and utterly original and it's never been done before, but I want to see my work on that show really before I'll agree to that, that director and that decision, regardless of what the agency may be advising or what the production company has done. So I, I think we are, we're in, a, we're in a very vicious circle at the minute that we don't have a big enough pool of talent of female directors who have a body of work to be able to support them being on that pitch in the first place. And then, uh, and then into the bargain, we don't have enough time and we often don't have enough budget resources either to, to, to be able to really push the, push the boundaries a bit more. Max, I agree with everything you've said there. I'm just going to interject for a second to say, I don't know if I share your pessimism. I know I'm very pessimistic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why? I tell you why, right? I tell you why. The fact that the conversations are happening, the fact that the ask is happening, the fact like that's all very exciting. Now there's there's a there's a level of there's a level of um, production, like a you know a, a budget level everyone's involved you know above which all of everything you've spoken applies but there is more and more there is a freedom in smaller budgets there are more and more smaller budgets there might not be enough budget in the bigger pieces but there are lots of small pieces of work getting made that can be made that i think offers an opportunity for female directors more than it did previously and there you know you've got all of these young directors who are going off making their own stuff anyway you know whether it's music videos or uh, whatever with um a, t a team of people so i i think like those the fact that people are starting to add, that's the first step you know i mean i don't know like the trendy is a bad thing the need for it the kind of the ask for it you know that 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 will all help in the end. I think. I actually think in five years we'll be having a different conversation. But maybe I'm Pollyanna. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that it's being asked for, um, but it's it's definitely a trend. Um, and it started with free the bid in the states, which went global. Um, and uh, and and we were we are Ireland. I'd say we're a good two years behind. Um, mm. even what free the bid were doing. Um, where where they did force um, big big name clients into into agreeing to have women directors on female directors on their on their bid lists. 
you know, and, and I, I do think it's a great thing that it's being asked for at the minute. But sometimes I think it's being asked for because they've been told that they have to ask for a female director to be put on the list, as opposed to they genuinely want a female director on the list. <laughs> oh, you mean so. a token that's never going to get the job awarded? Yeah, OK, yeah. Just before I bring Anna in, because I'd like to get a, a director's experience uh, input on onto this as well. Um, but I think also one of the dangers with lower budgets is that you can't actually do the same on a lower budget that you can with a bigger budget. And that then shapes that director's reel going forward and might eventually exclude that person from getting a bigger job. Um, and yeah, I think that that's probably a pitfall there. And also the danger of it being a trend is that there's, they're kind of making room for somebody to screw up as well. Do you know what I mean? It, it, but anyway, that's a very pessimistic look at it and maybe somebody else might have a different opinion of it. Anyway, Anna, I was just wondering, do you want to talk just a little bit about how you find found kind of getting your first commercial and just, uh, yeah, if you, if you just want to talk about that, it would be great. Um, so I suppose, yeah, prior to getting to direct my first commercial, it was very hard to get off the ground and to actually get invited even to come in and pitch. And I suppose partially there was probably a bit of confusion there because I was producing as well. Um, but I, I really am more so a director and been directing for years in film. And like Max is saying there, if you don't have commercials on your show reel, if you can't show, you know, I can make this in 90 minutes, but can I do it in 60 seconds or 30 seconds? Um, and, and being able to show that you can work in that short form was a stumbling block. So I did find that that was a, a real barrier to me getting invited to even the pitching table. Um, but also, I suppose, when we get a call, you know, seeking a director, even on like maybe a low budget ad where maybe they're calling us to make an ad for five grand or 15 grand, you know, very small kind of fry where, you know, I had offered to do it, you know, because I wanted to get work on my reel as a director in that short form area. Um, you know, that I would be kind of, that I'd meet a kind of a very un, uncertain kind of response. And then, you know, they'd ask me openly, did we have any other directors? You know, was there anyone else? And kind of angling for a male director. And when I'd mention a name or two of people that we work with, they'd say, oh, he sounds good, even well, though they maybe know that person's work um, or another occasion um, I got a call and they were looking for someone to direct it was again one of those very you know we have three weeks and we have to get this on air uh, low budget and really coming uh, you know projects are coming to us that were in my territory as well documentary which I know so well um, and when I offered to pitch for it myself I was told that I would need to ask um, a male director to co-direct with me and names were suggested to me of my peers, you know, directors who I would be like in the IFTA's lineup with, you know, a nomination together. And even on that occasion, I did ring those male directors and ask them, can I, can I pitch with you for this ad? Because I really wanted to do it. And they were baffled, like why, how would that even work? You know, the two of us directing together, you know, when you're not used to collaborating together and they couldn't understand why I'd need them either. And neither could I, to be to be frank. But those are the kind of things that I came up against, um, you know, just, I suppose, a lack of, of uh, belief. Um, and, you know, once then I did get to direct an ad, it was easier to get the second one um, mm. after that, you know, and it kind of did, you know, prove, okay, 
you know, she can do it. Um, but that's very frustrating after years and years of working as a director and having awards and a showreel and, and work behind you. Um, so yeah, I suppose that that big piece, you know, that I was wondering about as you were speaking there about the process, really interesting for me to hear the background of what goes on. And um, because by the time they come to me and I'm pitching on it, I suppose, um, yeah, I sometimes wonder, has the decision already been made? Is there somebody else that is in line for this job? And can I really win it? Because I often would spend like a full week or more, depending on how many days I'm given. Sometimes I'm told I have two days to do this pitch. Um, but yeah, I'd spend a lot of time on the pitch. And then you're wondering as you're doing it, do I have a chance of getting this, you know? Um, so yeah, I wonder for female directors out there, like how, how can you come to the attention of the creative team or the producers? Is that, you know, is that through, I suppose, any networking opportunities or how, how can directors, you know, meet with uh, the creatives and, and develop relationships? You just mentioned a couple of things there, Anna, um, that I think are really interesting. The first, I mean, Sarah can uh, back, look, the, the treatment process is about as honest as anything in advertising gets. It really is genuinely, you know, if you're if you're in if you're in the conversation, you're in with a chance and things because everyone's usually of a good standard, things can go down to the wire, you know, and um, so like genuinely, you know, I've never been in any treatment process that wasn't 100 percent genuine and that you maybe there might have been the third option, you know, and yet but that person actually, um, could, you know, those conversations now free pitching is a whole other i know that's not necessarily the topic you know agencies complain about free pitching i know production companies have a valid issue about that level of free pitching or how much time is devoted to a treatment which i think is kind of valid but i'm just pick, going to pick up on something you said about the pair there's a i only read about this phenomenon in the last couple of years since this conversation about gender has come out this idea of pairing the woman with the man who's going to look after her and I, I, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the, the moment in Friends whenever they're talking about the, the dog has died or some Ross's dog was given away to the farm. You know, they're talking about someone, oh, they don't tell the child that the, the dog has died, they just give it away to the farm. And Ross is like, oh my God. <laughs> and I was reading that phenomenon and I'm sure I'm not alone. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, I've had that happen, that being paired with the man. No, I'm not talking about creative team, but like it's a, it's a level of responsibility and it actually happens a lot. So I'm really surprised to hear about it happening in directing. Um, I do think that, you know, work is the best way to come to the attention of anyone. Networking, yes, does help. You know, you have a nice conversation. That's why the Shark Awards was always a great, you know, it's such a collegiate. It's a whole weekend. It's not as competitive as the award show that, you know, um, there's more losers than, than winners from at the end of the night. And you would kind of strike up a conversation and then be able to bring them in. So networking is definitely valid. But I do think work, I mean, I'm surprised to hear, you know, in advertising, you should always be trying to do something that's not like an ad. Don't well, make an see, ad. I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to be controversial now, right? Because you're bringing me to the point that, that, that I, Roisin, that, that I actually think is, is, for me, is the central point, right, yeah. about what's going on. Um, because yes, you can network. Yes, you can treat. Yes, you can you can get a show reel and you can do all of that. Um, and you know, I I still find that it is um, it's it's very difficult for female directors. And if you have a female producer and a female director going in together, you've really got a cat's chance in hell of 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 winning the job. It's very rare that you'll see that. There's always that gender um, balance that that people want to see where you've got male and female. But from my point of view, I think the issue really is. 
the culture that we have in in advertising and it's a cultural endemic problem in that we look at everything in our advertising whether we're female in terms of production and I, I include myself in this as well whether we're female in terms of our production in terms of direction and in terms of the creative we look at everything with a very male normative lens right everything is it's, it's a male dominated um, uh, industry it's yeah. mostly white middle class male um, and, and a lot of them are becoming middle-aged, although they may not think they are, but they are, because if I'm middle-aged, they're middle-aged. Um, and twist to the knife, go Max! <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. But, um, I, you know, I, I do think that, that that is the central problem that we have. We have a cultural problem in that um, a, in, nobody, while you'll have, you'll have creatives, and I include women in this as well, and I'm not just saying that this is not a men, men bashing exercise from my point of view, but I think what you end up having is um, we've all bought into it. We've all bought the Kool-Aid. We all make stuff. Everything looks at, it looks, it comes from that male gaze. We don't try to diversify. We have group think uh, um, where we're all thinking the same way, where we don't have enough diversity in our agencies that therefore leads to the diversity in terms of the work that we end up producing. Um, and, and I think until we have that conversation, it's going to be very difficult for people like Anna to, to, to be directors like Anna and other young women directors coming up through the ranks. To, to, to make their mark. It's changing in long form and it has been changing in long form very successfully and, and very rapidly. And, and what I find really extraordinary is that we regularly, on a regular basis, a woman will be able to get, a female director will be able to get a big TV series or a block of a TV series or a feature film or, or anything or a documentary, but can't catch a cold when it comes to advertising because we cannot look past that lens that we've put onto everything. And, you know, and I, I find a lot of women directors that I deal with and talk to just don't want to do advertising for that reason, because it's it's all come out from a very, a, a very normative um, perspective, as opposed to to really reaching out to try to be different and to, to break the group think. Oh, to totally. I mean, just to say that, though. There's, we didn't, we never had any female creatives, and now we do. And that generation, sorry, I'm, I won't, don't want to dominate the conversation too much, but this is why I do think it is on the cusp of changing. Because whenever I come into the industry, you can be, oh, there's one there, and there's one there, right? And now there's a whole generation of young creatives, and they don't even have the, you know, they 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 haven't drunk the Kool Aid like we might have, where you know, oh, you were lucky to get to be, you know, in with the lads. You know, there's a whole generation of like uh, young girls who really just see the world like they do. You know, I mean, I, I, there's so many young female creatives now. I really believe that they will start to make their mark. Just coming in on that point about the, the women getting television series and, and features before they, they make an ad, it is coming back to that that belief that you have to have made something in that short form to mm. have ability. And, mm. you know, I, I, when I have questioned why a female director wasn't invited to pitch on, say, an International Women's Day ad, I know we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, you know, and I'm told oh, people weren't available or, you know, there wasn't, there isn't a big enough pool. I know a lot of female directors, successful female directors, but they're not in commercials. That's not to say that if they were invited in to pitch on something that they wouldn't be interested. I know that there's a couple of people who've contacted me tonight saying they're going to be listening and 
I know that they will be interested. And one of the reasons they are interested is, I suppose, in advertising, you get the budgets to maybe do things creatively that you wouldn't get to do um, because there is maybe money there to work with a DOP that you'd really like to work with or you get toys and uh, equipment that you wouldn't normally get on the films that you're making. Um, but, you know, it does also come down to finances as well. And this is why I think it is really important to women in film and television because, People who get a chance in advertising and get, you know, I suppose an income from that, there's a stability in that. And that stability then allows you to take on the creative project that allows you to develop, to write, to explore other work. And if you're not getting work in, in commercials, then you don't have that cushion. You know, if you're not independently wealthy and you don't have someone supporting you, you then have to take on other work, maybe more television. And then it's into a cycle of, well, she can't direct commercials because she makes television. And, you know, maybe she just makes a fact end or whatever um, for, for RTE. But that person may be, you know, and I'm thinking of five or six people in the top of my head that I know would be brilliant commercial directors and well able for some of the, the jobs that are getting pitched out to, to male directors who maybe don't have half the experience on the ground that they have but it's just a vicious cycle because they're, they're not getting those opportunities to make the short form and it really does impact on your whole career trajectory then you know and do you think is it because does it come back to that thing again or or is it an excuse that they hide behind that you you don't have the commercials on your reel and um, so therefore you can't direct commercials I've had that or is that a genuine thing? Or do male directors who have a similar experience, have they been given commercials? Do you, have you from ever- my, from, from my side of things, like it is hard to sell a director into a client based on a short film that somebody has done or based on a music video or based on, it is a harder sell, whether it's male or female, it's probably a harder sell again, being female, but um. It, it is one of those things of like, they don't have the work on the reel, so they don't get the job, but they can't work on the reel unless they get the job. And like, you know, it's just goes around and around in circles. And it's just, it's frustrating because the creatives and the, especially the like up and coming creatives that are coming up through the ranks, like they, they can see talent in a short film. They can see talent in a music video. Like we've worked with um, like directors um, suggested by midweight and junior creatives that our senior creatives haven't even heard of. And so like, I really think there is something really exciting in there with the junior and midweight creatives. And the more female that we, females that we get in there, the more females that we get in in creative director roles, I think will really, really help us sell that in. But from the client perspective, as I think Max was or Anna was saying earlier on, like it's difficult because the client wants to see their ad. So like if it's a film brand or an energy company or even a fashion brand or whatever, they're going to say they're going to turn around and go, but the reference that you show me is, you know, a short film, a four minute short piece. And you're in a you're in a presentation that you have maybe an hour with the client and you're trying to sell in a director and you want to show a clip of a short film. So it is it's just a harder thing. It's happened before that we've sold in directors on short films, but it's definitely not the norm. Um and like I think 
going back and saying creatives are starting to see it more and more the potential and it's just how we get that through to the client as well that they don't have to see you know I've, I've had it where we had an animal in an ad and the reference that we showed of a director the client was like but there's no animal in the ad and like I mean, you've raised an issue there about where our industry is in a bigger way. You know, are we all trying to make ads that look like ads? You know, I was trained to make ads that didn't look like ads, to make ads that look like a piece of film or literature or a photograph that would be amazing, you know? And I worry a little bit of that has been lost, particularly over the last few years, where there's a lot of people who are like, finally, I get to make an ad. I want it to look like all those other ads. Um, and, uh, and, and also, I guess there is, what is the, you know, we don't really have an ad school for uh, marketing graduates. You know, they we, we're not talking the same language whenever we're at the table with the client saying it shouldn't look like an ad, you know. So a lot of, like it's it's a rare enough client who understands that. And most of them are like, show me the ad that will look like the ad so I can show my boss the ad that will look like the ad, even with the best will in the world. So, you know, you do have to have that relationship and partnership. Max, we have to come back to what you raised there, which is the nub of it, which is about otherness. Yes. No. Right. So, yes, we might talk about the male lens, but, you know, like advertising in Ireland is incredibly conservative, um, private, homogenized, homogenized private school, you know, like um, and and that's that's an issue because a lot of private schools turn out a homogenized view of the world and that and that can be male dominated as well. Like that is a factor. It's not exclusive to Ireland because you see exactly the same patterns in Ireland in advertising all over the world. You go to a European council, as I would have done um, for creative directors, and you know, it's all, it's still blokes having kind of bloke conversations, far worse than you might hear in an Irish context, I have to say. Um, uh, if you want to sit with some French creatives, they'll, they'll talk about whatever they want to across, across the top of you, or in even South America, which are even more um, macho um, cultures. But advertising is very blokey. It's, it's really like, it's the football team. And what happens is, um, if you, if, we talk about otherness or how elites are formed. So elites are formed because there's this unspoken, how you wear your jeans, the rep music references, and that can exclude people from, you know, different socioeconomic class, even from the country, <laughs> certainly from the north, if they can get away with it, although we managed to sneak yeah. in. Max, we just took a trip. We, we sneaked in across the border, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and and that can be about gender or um, um, sexuality. I mean, it's very like it's only in my time in advertising that you had people who were out in the agency. Yeah. You know, um, that's that's so recent. So there is change happening. Um, I I do think this the generation younger than I are sweeping away an awful lot in front of them very quickly and not not being as patient or as willing to let things stay unchanged as maybe my generation was. So I do think it might 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 change quicker than we think. Yeah, and, you know, look, I, I, I don't want to be like all doom and gloom um, because I, I do think um, that we are seeing a younger generation coming through now who are, um, for want of another way to, 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 to describe it, are more queer, right, who, um, who accept more um, the, the idea of gender, gender diversity, ethnicity diversity, um, and, and are a bit more kind of, um, a bit more of a feminist lens as opposed to a male lens. Um, and it's great to see, um, but I still don't think that that is helpful um, at this point in time for female directors that are trying to work in, in, in advertising and to do, as Anna says, to, to craft their skills, you know, because we all know 
that where the vast majority of the big successful directors in Ireland have crafted their skills is in advertising. You know, Lenny Ibramson started in advertising for a reason, you know, um, and, you know, and I, I, and I think we're missing a trick as an industry and, and also as, as a country in terms of being able to um, create a platform for people so that women can come through and, and, and people of black people, people who are openly queer, openly transgender, and um, that they can come through and, and make films that are not homogenized um, and that do speak to audiences so that, uh, you know, clients, because ultimately what we're doing is we're selling shit that people don't need, right? Um, that's, that's what we do in this industry. Um, and as a result, you know, and part of that becomes, and don't get me wrong, I love advertising. I love the art behind it. I love the craft behind it. I think it is um, an incredible medium for, um, for, for telling very, very complex stories and narratives in a very short space of time that it is understandable and comprehensible to the person that's watching it. So I, I do think there's craft in it, but ultimately we are just selling stuff yeah, um, to, to people and, and we're using a particular medium to do that. Um, so I, I do think we're missing a trick by not pushing the agenda and the boundaries faster and harder than, than is currently happening. We're, we're kind of all sitting back and, and waiting for the next generation to come along. There's a very famous ad campaign in the States that was around um, uh, being queer and being gay and, and coming out. And it was, you, you know, um, it, it gets better was what it was called, right? And it was, uh, it was lambasted, beautifully shot, beautifully crafted, great, great production values um, and, you know, had great people in it. But at the, at the end of the day, it was saying to people, it gets better. I know you're 11 years old and you're confused about what your gender is and, you know, and all of that, but it gets better, you know. But, but it shouldn't get, it shouldn't, you shouldn't have to wait for it to get better. We should be doing things now to make it better, you know. And I mean, I'm, I'll be perfectly honest, and Anna and I have talked about this, and Fiona and I have talked about it, you know, I have a young female um, director on, on my roster can't catch her a cold. It's it's like banging your head off a brick wall all the time. And the only thing she ever gets offered is free charity work that may have a certain feminist lean lean towards it, you know. Um, and and it's very it's soul destroying for people like her to to not be considered to be good enough to be at the table because she is good enough. I mean, no, no one's suggesting that we should wait for it to change, by the way. I'm just saying no. that there will be, you know, we, we, we definitely need stuff now, but I'm just saying that we had so little representation of female creatives for such a long time and that has changed almost you know that that is that has changed now it's not going to be less it's, you know so i do believe that those changes can happen very quickly is actually what i, I, I was trying to say you know yeah. but no no we, totally we, i agree you know we need to help them you know definitely so i'm just going to get back there's a question that that we have about when it's a golden opportunity where there's a commercial that's surrounding is about female empowerment in recent times in Ireland, these commercials, and there might be a budget attached to those as well, they've been directed by men. So like, how how can that happen? How can the people in the, the rooms in the agency not ever question the fact that this hasn't been given to a woman director? They were all men as well, let's be honest, yeah. right? The creative director was a man, the creatives were men. <laughs> Um, you know, and that's about blindness, isn't it? You know, they're not thinking of themselves as a man. They're just thinking I'm a person. They're not, you know, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> without having that awareness. So. And, and, you I know totally agree with Roisin. Very much. Yeah. Like, I totally I, agree I, with Roisin. I don't think men, I think if you, if I was to have a conversation with 
the majority of men in like the agency that I work in or whatever like it would be it would very much but like oh but you're like you can be involved if you want and like no like it's not a if you want to be involved like this is a female issue it should be females talking about it not males but they they like all credit to each of them they're brilliant creatives and brilliant uh brilliant people themselves but it's not it's just doesn't it's not a second thought and it's happened before where I've seen a full job be produced and went out the door without a single female produce or if it without a single female in the agency working on it and it um it was for you know female empowerment and there was uproar in the agency afterwards but I, it was yeah. just a quick let's get it done like don't tell anybody we just need to get it in and out and it's not nobody was purposefully leaving out women they just didn't think to include us which well, is worse I, I I think actually I've been thinking about this quite a lot and I wrote down a couple of questions that I think we should begin to start putting out there um, to, 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 to agencies in particular and to clients, you know, and, and to anti-production companies and post companies, you know, and, you know, one of them is like, as a man, are you truly distressed about the conference of power and dominance that you enjoy? Right? Are you distressed about it? Right? Do you, do you realize that you have more power and dominance than anybody else in the room does at the minute? Do you care that your bias unconscious or not results in your exclusion of 52% of the population, both as customers audience and indeed as a director? And have you failed to see and recognize the invisible, invisible systems conferring onslaught dominance on you by virtue of your sex? And until we start asking people, and, and I include women in that, right? I, I, you know, because I, I do think a lot of women, um, females in, in agencies and in clients and in production companies become male almost in their outlook because you're surrounded by it all the time, you know? Because, you know, back to your point as well, Roisin, you know, there, there was a very famous camp, um, campaign, political campaign in Argentina and Chile, where they talked about, you know, when, when a woman joins politics, she becomes um, more political, right? um, where, you know, she changes, right? Whereas when many women join politics, politics changes. And that should be this, and, and it's, it's exactly what you're saying, Roisin, things are changing in terms of we're getting more women involved. But I think there's not enough, there's not enough critical mass there yet to start the culture change. So as a result, if you want to change the culture and start that cultural change and relook at things and how we view things and what lens we use, and you've got to ask the questions of the people who are in the dominant positions. Do you realize you're in a dominant position? And do you realize that every time you make a decision, like, like you've just said, Sarah, where a whole bunch of male creatives got a job out the door and on air and nobody from a female perspective ever looked at it, you know, or another perspective as opposed to just female, you know, because we should also be talking about, you know, I, I, I call myself a feminist. I'd say most of us on this panel are feminists and we need to start looking at things with a feminist lens as opposed to just male or a binary male and female. It needs to be around feminism and equality and inclusion and that it's fair for everybody and that it's, you know, women get their chance at the table and that people who are, are also marginalized and subordinated in our industry are at that table as opposed to virtue signaling, which is a lot of what we do right now across the globe in advertising. I can see in the questions that are coming in, yeah. someone's raised the issue about quotas. Is it too early to talk about that? Do we have a point of view on that? Yeah, like I think that something along those lines has to happen. Like, man, yeah. 
there in terms of, you know, instead of waiting for things, I think we need to actually start looking at solutions and how we can bring about things faster and make sure they happen. So like when, you know, initiatives were brought about by Screen Ireland to make sure that women were getting funded, there was a bit of discussion around it. Some male directors were uncomfortable with it. And obviously it gives an opportunity to women that then men are excluded from. But, it, you know, it helped and it has started to change things. And we're seeing way more female talent being developed. So I think there has to be something done along the lines of, you know, what Breed the Bid did, making sure women are at the pitching table, making sure that, you know, I mean, for like, it's really on a very basic level that if an ad's being made for female empowerment or if an ad's being made on International Women's Day, that women are pitching on those ads and that a woman directs that ad. And not just the directors as well. Like, you know, if you have a female DOP, um, and there are a few really good ones in Ireland, um, not many, but the more that we start to give opportunities, there will be others. I know four or five really, really strong first and second assistant uh, female camera um, um, assistants. And, you know, you, when I'm out on shoots with men, they're just not seen. But suddenly when we start hiring women on our team, not just the director, but the whole team, you suddenly see much more balance across the board then because they're bringing people with them then that assisted them on a, a feature. But I think things need to be done along those lines, like, you know, asking companies to make a pledge as well, that they will request to have a female director on the pitching table as well. Um, or, you know, more discussion amongst the production companies to make sure that they have female directors on their, their rosters. Because when I last looked, a lot of companies didn't have a single female director on the roster. And you could see when you went into directors, it was just a sea of men's faces and men's names. And to me, it's just so, it's so um, blind. I just can't believe that people could actually run a company and not look at their own, the makeup of their company and feel a bit embarrassed that that's the case. You know, it just, I don't understand how you can make an ad about female empowerment and not turn the lens around and look at everyone behind the camera and see that it's all men standing there. I mean, just on that, that is obviously the most egregious um, oversight. But, you know, what's really going to change is whenever, um, you know, what you really want to see is female directors making the ad with the big beans and uh, the, you know, the value pricing and also the cut, right? So just just for the sake of the conversation, just to frame it, that, that we're, we're just talking about that's, you know, you're doing International Women's Day c complete campaign with no female input at all. And you're still not seeing it is really the reason we keep coming back to that, right? Yeah, we keep coming back to that because if you can't get an ad for Day, what hope have you of getting the ad for, you know, the beer company or, you know, the toothpaste or whatever, you know, so it's a start at least. And if you got to do some of those ads, then you'd have some ads on your reel, you know. But even if, if in agencies they were asking themselves the question, okay, here's a, an ad about female empowerment, let's make sure or let's give it to women directors, at least if they're starting to answer the questions about that, then it's starting a process. So, um, well, this, like, yeah, this is this is the thing. Like, I just think it needs to, there needs to be almost checkpoints throughout a process where it's, you know, it doesn't get passed to the next phase until this conversation or this question has been asked. And I think, like, we, I have worked with people over the years where it, like, it's now become a okay you know what's the female um you know or who's the female that we're going to look at and um, pitching on this or whatever the issue is from and it's again around in circles the issue is there's more males available that have the big shiny reels 
that then there's not enough women at the table to even make it a fair playing game. So like this quota thing, I find really difficult to sell in um, to say the creative team that I'm working with or the agency when I say you can't have, you need to have a female on the roster. The real isn't as polished because they haven't gotten the work and you can't work with this person, this person or this person. And until we start having more production companies that have more female directors on their roster, then I think it's going to be a fairer conversation. But like you don't want the female to be the third option. You don't like and that's. Can I offer you a counter on that just for the moment? Even if we took all of that as true, why is it worth doing? I think it's still worth doing because not every not not on every pitch is the female going to be up against the big shiny director or male director, if that's the case. And those conversations, getting to know someone, you know, very few of us have awarded a, a piece of work to someone on their very first pitch to us. Right. But often what happens is you start a conversation, a dialogue, you get to know someone's work a little bit better and then they might be your first choice whenever it comes to the next piece of work. Now, maybe not like there's a whole, there's definitely a sort of a a definite glass ceiling about budgets and that level of work and what the pressure and all of that. But there is, you know, a big wide space in between where, you know, I could see it and where it shouldn't just be one um, female director on the quota. So I do think even from day dot that there would be benefits immediate immediate benefits um we talked about networking and exposure you know that's the best type of networking exposure is i'm talking to you about an idea you're getting to meet me you're kind of getting to see my perspective and um you know often that that might make make the difference in the end i think there's just an oh sorry and the the budgets as well like that i remember seeing an interview it was actually at a women in film and uh, television event where they showed a, a film all about female empowerment in the film industry and I remember one of the now well-known female directors was saying she had two showreels, uh, one for a male DOP and one for a female DOP. And the male was much stronger. It had loads of things on it and it was really, really good. And she just really wanted to give the job to the woman, but her work wasn't really that good. But it was only really through meeting both of them and talking to her that she realized, well, you know, that woman had been lighting films with like torches and lamps and available light because she didn't have the budget to do what he'd been doing. And actually her work was incredible given all Mm. the limits she'd been up against. So like it does require a little bit of giving people an opportunity. And I'm not saying taking someone off the street and they've just come out of IADT. I, I mean, you know, when you have someone in the room who's clearly directed work and they have, a, you know, a good grasp of the idea, they've, you know, given a good treatment that, you know, there is a chance given to somebody as well, you know, that maybe they haven't made loads of commercials, but they have work behind them that shows an ability to do it. Maybe not in 30 seconds, but like a lot of that comes down to the script, the shoot, the edit, you know, um, so like, I don't know how you change that. And, uh, you know, I understand you've got to sell somebody into the client as well. But, uh, you know, I do think that the times where I was I've, thinking about this, yeah, like, I, I was thinking about this, Anna, and I, I, I was thinking like, do we do blind bidding? But we're too small a country to, to do blind because everybody knows everybody knows everybody. And, you know, you'll know the piece of work from the from the, the show reel and you know the piece of work from the treatment. But if there was a way to be able to do blind bidding, you know, that you've no idea 
if 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 Max is male or female, you know, or or if they're black or white, um, or if they if they're from the traveling community or from or, or from Timbuktu, you know, it would it would be great to be able to to do something like that. And I, I wish there was an easy answer to it, and um, to be able to bring in that type of a system, you know, that um, it's so you're 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 booked on the basis of um, how you're going to deliver the job, not. A, you know, and, and your ability to do the job and on treatment more so than, than showreel in some respects, although I do think showreels are, are really important. Um, but I, I think quotas have a role to play in all of this. Um, I'm not always in favour of quotas um, because I think sometimes that's a little bit um, virtue signalling, but I don't see a way out of it otherwise than, than to have one. some sort of quota yeah. system. I think step would be great. It'd be great. Let's yeah. try it, lads. Let's try, you know, let's try it and then decide it doesn't work. I do think even to be able to have the conversation, you know, I do think that so much has changed. I mean, once upon a time within the last decade, you couldn't have called out sexism when you heard it in the room. And now you can in, 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 in a reasonably relaxed way that deals with the sexism. Do you know what I mean? It's like lads, yeah. me too, can't talk like that anymore. And it's gone. And once upon a time, you couldn't have said anything. You know, you would just, it would have been there. So all of those kind of rooms and cultures are are definitely changing. I mean, I loved the piece of work. It was Rosie Barrett, wasn't it? For Gemma and Levy up, up the flats, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that, one of the best pieces of, you know, naturalistic work done last year. And it, you, you could stick a logo on it and, you know, most creatives would try and call it an ad, you know, like it's an amazing piece of work. So you know, there, there's a little bit of, um, I suppose, cart before horse. Yes. But like if there's a great piece of work there, you could put that in front of any client, I believe, you know, and and tell them, oh, yeah, we'll have a food stylist for the whatever, whatever that that piece of it is um, to get across. Get an animal trainer in for the, the yeah the animals yeah. yeah yeah. I just have a, a question here from um. Do you think should ICAD or the YDAs and Sharks have a women director category? Do you think that that? I'm not sure about that. Um, because I I think that is a is creating more difference right and mm -hmm. and really what we want to be doing here is 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 to is, is to be on an equal footing right um as opposed to we have to have a special category um, yeah. you know I, I i think it's um I, I think low budget because so many women directors end up doing the low budget stuff possibly covers off that a little bit you know but um i i think if you start creating female categories and awards and, and festivals, um, it, it just becomes a little bit like, well, we have to be treated slightly differently because, you know, you know, just give them a little pat on the head because, you know, they're, they're, they're up against the big boys. You know, I, I like to play with the big boys on my own terms. Right? Um, and, you know, and that's that's kind of how I, I like to, to progress. Any female directors that I've represented, we're, we're at the table. We're as good as the big boys and we're going to do exactly what we need to do, you know. Um, so no, I would I wouldn't be in favour of that. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't think it's isn't that where a quota could come in handy, where it says don't release a nominee list that doesn't have equal, you know? Okay, so yeah. and again, that's about exposure. We might say, and I don't really believe it, but even just based on some of the conversations we've had, oh well, you might have, you know, if it's three and three, then the three blokes be really strong. You might only have one girl really strong. If we were to take some of the conversations had today about background or whatever, but I actually don't believe it. It's about exposure. It's about getting your name out there. It's about opportunities. So I definitely think for those sort of nominee lists, you know, advertising doesn't work by person. It works by um, campaign. Um, it's not as simple to do. But I just think more women at every level, isn't it going to and 
because I, I, I do, you've mentioned it a couple of times, Max, and I am aware of it that when you are a woman in a male dominated um, industry, you are aware of it, but also you could fall foul to sort of a, a version of exceptionalism, you know, that mm. you begin to buy into, well, you know, I'm different. That's why I'm in this club or, you know, you, you, you begin to be part of, you mentioned about the you know, political piece, which was really useful. And whenever you've got critical mass, more women at every level that's it's just about the work you know and it's less about why like, i've played this game or what, whatever else to you know um to get there yeah and to, together we have to do something along the lines of quotas because like you said we can get to a, a a future where it doesn't really matter anymore about the topic of the ad or whatever but we have to get there first and i do think having uh, one female on the pitch if there's three people pitching it is going to result in sometimes women getting picked even if they are the underdog or even if they're not the one with the great show reel or they're not known very well um sometimes they're going to win that pitch i mean i've i've got a few ads i did one for budweiser this summer i didn't think there was any chance i was going to get a budweiser ad you know for a beer uh company but you know i think if you are given the chance and that you're your treatment's good and you get a chance to come into the room and you get to talk about us, you get to pitch a property. Um, yeah, that will create more opportunities and then we'll build up more of a bank of women out there because I think that is the thing. There's not enough women out there on the rosters. And so even when there is an ask for this, then, you know, if, if we were to make that rule then tomorrow when everyone bought into it and said, okay, let's do it. Then I think a lot of production companies would suddenly be scrambling trying to sign up yeah in the country because they're not there at the moment you know i do agree i think the knock-on effects from doing that are far are really worth make it worthwhile doing it like you're getting a woman in the room as you said before sometimes it's about meeting the person they might they may or may not get it but at least they'll be in somebody's mind if something else comes along down the line and also for the reason that anna just said there it would make drive production companies out to take more women on their roster and then maybe put some money behind them if they had it to help them get a real. Um, yeah. There's just a couple of questions. One question was about um, ad agencies tend to go to the same go-to production companies all the time, um, which probably compounds the whole mm. problem here. So what do you think can be done about that? Um, I think, you see, let me think about that. We have so such a stressful job, let's say, as an ad agency producer, that you, you want to go to the people that you know and you trust. And that's where, like, I've worked with Max and pulled the trigger, his name in, um, our agency is always very well respected because you kind of go, you go to Max, like you get it done, it's brilliant or whatever. It's the same you with get you know, other... that, you know. Huh? <laughs> you get shy of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um it's the same with another like other couple of production companies in town. Like a lot of the time we don't have going back to the time and the money, we don't have everything that we need um going in. So we're not always going in with the best foot forward. And personally, I want to be working with somebody that I know, that I trust, and that the creatives trust. We're not always working with the director that we know. 
But if we're working with a new director, but we know the producer and the creatives know the producer, the agency knows the producer, that's why it happens. We don't get that much work out a year that people would think we do. Like agents, like a creative team might be lucky to get two big TV ads out a year, you know, and we're trying to make sure that we're looking after, not looking after, but working with and dividing the workload out. You're not getting agencies aren't coming out with smaller agencies anyway, aren't working, throwing out, you know, 10, 12 TV ads a year. It's just not there anymore. So you're, there's a lot more production companies available, which is great, but there's not like, I would rather personally work with somebody that I know and that I trust. And that has, you know, proven time and time again. Now, is that the right answer? Probably not for whoever asked that question. I'm sure that- Very honestly, Sarah. I think you answered it very honestly. Like, you know, it's human nature. You know, in marketing theory, we talk about trusted repertoire and you have push and pull factors that push you or pull you out of trusted repertoire, whether that's that's your big bean brand or whether that's your production company. And I think you've answered it very well there about um, how busy you are and how much pressure you're under and how you just, you know, want that. But at the same time, you probably would agree that if there was more network and opportunities or more exposure to some of those, you know, smaller production companies, you definitely take them up on it. Because I think sometimes there are pieces of work that get passed on because, you know, um, there, you know, it could be something very small that could lead to something um, that, you know, um, an alternative production company could deal with, I think. I mean, that's no, 100% of something that could be done, you know, obviously not with COVID, but you know, these kind of speed dating things that have been done with uh, writers and directors. I mean, it could be something that could be done between, you know, smaller production companies, directors and producers that can meet with people from the advertising industry. I think that would be, there's my my little man. Hello. <laughs> this is what happens when you're a, a mommy in the in the industry. Out you go, buddy. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. You're much nicer to your children when you're interrupted than I am to mine. <laughs> That's why you won't see them. <laughs> Um, I, I think that's actually not a bad idea from, from Anna that, that when when things get back to a point where we can actually all go to things um, that uh, it's it's a it's a good good idea to try to get those networking opportunities up and, and speed dating and all of that. I mean the other thing that um, from a production company point of view that I find frustrating is um, that uh, when you are asked to buy the female director and you put, you offer up the people that are on your roster, um, you you sometimes get the thing back of uh, yeah not enough not enough um, work on the reel to, to to for us to be able to sell it in and I get that I understand that and then suddenly you'll see that maybe it might not go to a male director but it might go to a female director from somewhere else in the world you know who has had those opportunities um, and I mean that's that's a problem for all directors um, you know that it might go because you know somebody the creatives might want to work with the the big name and the shiny name and the person who's done a lot of uh, big brands and, and all of that, you know, um, and, and that's, that often happens when there's any, ten, any level of budget at all um, on anything, but that's, that's a much different conversation and a, and a bigger conversation, but I have found it. I mean, I repped an, a very well-known international female director for quite some time, couldn't catch her a cold, couldn't, couldn't get anything for her. Um, and we, she she left because she got so frustrated um, at the, the the pitch process and how difficult it was, um, and I've since 
there several times um, in service in service work where we've serviced jobs for her. Um, and she's suddenly really in demand because she's got some big brands on her showreel and she's got them because she, she because she had, you know, other countries, she got them in other countries. And it, it's, re it's really interesting to see how that happens. But I, I think that's a problem for breaking directors as well as female directors. I don't think that's necessarily um, down to sex or gender. I think that's just an, a, a, a thing that happens here quite a lot. And it's 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 a. It's a small market problem because I also know it happens in very small markets like, you know, particularly um, I, I can't remember the country, but it's it neighbours Germany and Germany takes over their entire market on, on a regular basis, um, as, as we often see as well. So it's it, it's just a watch out, I think, that when we are talking to agencies about um, getting their game plan on in terms of involving more women and including more women, that they don't just transplant that to. And we're going to go international all the time. You know, you've, mm -hmm. you've got to have some space for local talent to be fostered and developed. Mm. So I, I think we're coming sort of towards the end of it, but I've just got a couple more questions. And one of them is just following up on um, a director starting out. What advice would you give to them? Like, would you recommend that they do a spec commercial or should they rely on the sh their short film work or music videos? Is there any advice that you could give to them that would help them make a step forward and come on your radar, uh, Sarah? Um, you see, like, I always think a spec commercial is great, but I also know that they cost money to make and, you know, they're, we're not giving people the jobs to have the money to fund the spec commercials so like I I would to sell it into the agency I think you know short films and like side projects and stuff like that great but to sell into the client again it's it is more difficult than a spec commercial will help I think nurturing or trying to I know going back to like the networking try and meet you know junior or not even junior but up and coming creatives in the industry as well like I know I work with so many male senior creatives that want to work with the same directors because they know them they might meet them for a pint down the pub you know they just know them they trust them like why shouldn't we be fostering those relationships between up and coming creatives and directors now as well so like because the the creatives are going to be the people that are asking the directors to be pitching on their treatments. The directors are going to be the people that the creatives need. So like there is a symbiotic relationship there. It's not in any way the agency, you know, controls or like, you know, controls it or anything like that. The agency needs the director more like by the time it gets to a certain stage in the process. So I think getting out there when we can and actually getting to know um, creatives in like in the industry as we were saying earlier and um, the in, like the advertising industry is a good place uh, to start a career in directing as well um, I know that recently you know we've had somebody being signed recently to an Irish production company that was a creative in an agency for years there's been Rachel Carey, who I worked with for, you know, years and has now had her feature Deadly Cuts out and she's the premiere over in London and everything like that. Like if if you have an interest in advertising, I would also look at getting into an agency if that's something that you would be interested in doing as well, I suppose.
That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think spec ads are a bit naff. I've never yeah. hired anyone on a spec ad. Uh, usually the idea is not right and nobody spends any time taking it seriously. But I think like it goes the same in, in any of the artistic crafts, I would say. Make the work. Go make the work. Go make the stuff you're interested in. Focus on that. You know, I used the example of the Up the Flats video recently, but even in terms of video production, there's never been more being made. There's much less of what we would call proper ads with time and budget to make them. And that puts everyone under pressure all the time. But a piece of video is now the equivalent of a brochure or um, a press ad, to be quite honest. You know, like if you go on social media or wherever else, there's pieces of video being made all the time. So if you're a talented young director and you've got a story to tell, go and make it in whatever way you can and get the attention by just being really good at what you do. I mean, I liked Anna's story early. That doesn't mean that we don't have to do everything else we're doing. But in the meantime, you know, make your own luck. Go and go and create like a, 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 like a short film that's that's 90 seconds long filmed on an iPhone. You know, whatever that is that you feel if you're if you're good enough doing, I do think, you know, something that could get a little a little bit of a story out there that just gets attention. You know, use what you're you're good at. I liked Anna's story about the DOP lighting it with the torches whatever we all do it like you know we, we don't all get the the perfect opportunity we all have to kind of you know in 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 my in my job i'm having to kind of you know what i mean we have to do the version of like clean the toilets to kind of get something made you know because we don't always have the perfect resources so you just go ahead and and do it that would be probably my two cents on it I would second that um, uh, for Moshin. Um, but what I would also say is a, what I always say to, to emerging directors and young directors is shoot everything you get the opportunity to shoot. Yeah. If it's a crappy corporate video, shoot it. Because yeah. the more experience you have on set and dealing with clients and dealing with um, you, you know, the crew and doing all of that, the more, the more you hone that skill and that craft, the better opportunity you're, you're going to be able to have when it comes to, to doing something that's, that's got a bigger budget um, and, and might have more responsibility with it. So I say shoot everything. And I say that to every director. Never say no to anything. Never. Unless it's, unless it's free and it's really crap and it's misogynist and it's going to make you look bad for the rest of your life. Shoot everything. Uh, and, you know, and then the other thing that I, I often say to emerging directors is get yourself representation outside of Ireland as well. Because yeah. you often find that you get a better opportunity, you get more opportunity and better opportunities um, to do stuff internationally. It could be because you speak English. That could be the only reason that you end up getting the job. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, get representation outside of Ireland because an awful lot of young directors that, uh, that, are, that I've, I've been struggling to break or that, that haven't been able to break here, they, they break in London. And suddenly they're, they're, they're stratospheric and they're doing really well. And they're picking up work in the states, and you know, and and then and they they don't need to work here, you know. And and I know for a lot of us, we have kids and we have responsibilities, and that's easier said than done, you know. But I, I do think get yourself representation um, outside of Ireland as well as shoot the shit out of anything that comes your way, um, and 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 hone your craft. Would you have anything to add to that, Anna? Yeah, I suppose one of the things that I I know it's true for myself and it's true for female DOPs I work with um, and other female directors I know who do really well and haven't promoted themselves is, you know, even just cutting a showreel, taking time to cut a showreel or, you know, putting up like a very simple Squarespace website for yourself as a director. I think a lot of us don't do a great job around marketing ourselves and selling ourselves. So I think taking some time out to do that I know I need to do it 
but I certainly know lots of other people need to do it too. And it is, it does take a bit of time and money to do, but even just cutting together some of your work to show, you may have done loads, but actually communicating it, you know, you forget that sometimes maybe people haven't seen what you've done and they're not really familiar with your work. So I think that's probably very important and hearing what you guys are saying, Roshan and Sarah, it, it reminds me that, yeah, we do need to, I suppose, curate that uh, image of ourselves and make sure that that work is out there and available to be seen. And I suppose that to that point, Anna, we need to be shot on our own um, abilities a lot more. I, 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 you know, as, as, as women, we tend to step back a bit about how great we are, you know, and, and maybe the time has come to be a bit more kind of um, uh, ballsy, for want of another way to describe it, about, about uh, our, our, our capabilities and what we can do. You know, maybe it's time to start shouting a bit louder. Okay. And I'm just going to finish up. I know we've kind of touched on it a few times, but I just wanted to finish up on what kind of practical steps you all think we could make to help increase the number of women directors working in commercials. So I'll start with Anna. Um, I suppose, yeah, I definitely think the the pledges, you know, from um, agencies and from clients um, to have women at the pitching table, that would be a really important one for me, I think. Uh, definitely number one something to just shift things in the right direction max uh i think um quotas in whatever way we we we, we establish those and how we frame that um i think um, we need quotas and i i think the other thing we should do is we should seriously we've been talking about it for a couple of years i think we should seriously as an industry in advertising and in advertising production really look at free the work um, and, and signing up to that because that's a framework that's already set up and all we have to do is join in, you know, um, and and if we join in and if we can get all the ad agencies signed up to that, I, I think we'll begin to see um, some sort of cultural change where um, where if you've pledged to it, but you've pledged to a framework that already exists, you, you might start to see change happening a lot faster. Roisin? Well, I agree with all of those pieces. I think maybe step one would be for Irish advertising to admit that it has a problem right across the board at every at every level. You know, like because it, it, we, what we talked about today is that it all feeds into each other. So yes, we've spoken about one element of it, about female directors, but it's right across the board. It's right across the board. And I think one of our respondents mentioned that, you know, that's how you get everybody on this ad was a male because everybody making the ads are male. Too many of them anyway. And Sarah. Oh God, how do I how do I answer after all those three great answers? Um, I think there's probably a job that we could do within industry bodies that are there um, with the likes of ICAD and the EDAs and like even just honing um, the up and coming female directors and, you know, partnering their, them up and collaborating with up and coming uh, creatives and you know creating those relationships now and I think then let them be the go-to creative or the go-to director when you know it's their when it's their turn to call the shots and I think the um you're always going to be you're always going to push somebody that you have a relationship with rather than somebody else's go-to so I think if we can try and hone um, there's a ICADs do the upstarts where creatives um, work with a senior um, creative 
and they have a buddy system where, you know, they get advice, but there could potentially be something where you partner a director up with uh, a creative team. And it could be something like that so that they build the relationship and move up the ranks together. That's nice. Good idea. Um, so does anyone else, have, have you got anything else that you'd like to say that we haven't spoken about? Or will I finish it off here? <laughs> hmm. No, I, I, I think um, you can probably, I did see the, the question as well about diversity um, in, in, the, in the chat box. Um, and and I, I wholeheartedly agree with, with Roisin on this. We're not doing enough. We are doing a little bit of virtue signaling here and there. Um, and it's it's very uh, frustrating when you're producing TV commercials and you're you you know you come up with the thorny issue of diversity. I mean, I I just had it today where you know somebody did want to have ethnicity represented and somebody didn't, and you know, and it should be it shouldn't be around. Um, have we put have we put in um the black guy because because we're trying to we're trying to be all super cool and whatever you know because even that feeds into normativity you know and 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 into patriarchy you know and really what we should be doing is is hiring the best people for the best for, for their work and that represent that, that do the, the best job for it so i i do think we have a bigger issue in in advertising to address um and it's going to take some time to get there but i think the start of it is is beginning to to kind of own our feminism and get out there and start changing things um and i've really enjoyed this it was good fun tonight thank you yeah really important thanks fiona i actually think it's great to just start the ball rolling or you know start the com restart the conversation not to say it hasn't been happening before but to kind of get a bit of momentum under it now we have to get an action plan out of this i'll expect an email tomorrow now fiona about what we all have to do <laughs> yeah that would be my hope that we all kind of can continue this conversation and actually do something constructive and invite more agencies and clients into the conversation so that we can because that's who need to be part of it in order to change it so thanks very much guys for coming and having a chat with us this evening it was really lovely really enjoyed it <laughs> thanks very much thanks for thank me. you this event was made possible with the support of screen skills ireland if you would like to support women in film and television ireland or see the work we do, log on to wft.ie.